Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 5. And if you want to turn to another one, you can go to 1 Corinthians 1 if you want to get two down at one time. We continue discussing the topic and how we've been prepping you and preparing you for this coming evangelistic effort, which is already reaping benefits. I'm telling you, I've got testimony from people who are engaging with their neighbors and they're engaging with your friend. And my na- let me just tell you about my neighbor. When, when you meet him, you can't tell him. I've told you all these stories about him. So, uh, so you just got to play like you never met him before. But, uh, you know, I was praying over an opportunity, how I get into his life. And without going into detail, uh, there was a tree between our houses that he wanted me to cut down. And we worked a deal out to cut it down. And he came out on the day we're cutting it down. We're interacting all day long. And he said this. He said, I meant to tell you something. I said, what? He said, I was flipping through the channel. He's retired. I was flipping through the channel. I saw you on TV. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, you did pretty good. And I said, well, good. I appreciate that. And that opened a door for us and we engaged. And long story short, I got to spend time with his brother and he told me about his brother. Now, he don't believe nothing. Well, I don't know if that's true because I sat next to him the other day while we were grinding the stump and he said, you know, the older you get, you start thinking about the things of the Lord. I said, you sure do, don't you? And so, hey, it's just opening up doors. I'm getting testimonies like that. How many of you have begun to uh, get some, some, see some exciting things happening because of just beginning to engage and being intentional? Everyone say intentional. You got to be intentional with your evangelistic effort and outreach. So with that in mind, Jesus, his first recorded message uh, was about being contagious. And he saw that really uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you could call it the, the theme of it is the lifestyle of discipleship. It begins with the what the Beatitudes, the attitudes we must be. And it says, blessed. Everybody say blessed. Everybody say very happy. I love it. His first, his first message to his disciples, he said, let me tell you how to be happy, happy, happy. Everybody say happy, happy, happy. Because that's what blessed means. Everybody say be blessed. Everybody look at your neighbor and go happy, happy, happy. So he said, man, disciples, as disciples, you should be very happy regardless of the circumstances of life. And then he declares something over us. He doesn't ask us something. He declares something over us. He tells us who we are. Look at your neighbor and say, who are you? Jesus tells us who we are. He says, you are what? He says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. And then he warns us about salt that is no longer effective and the light that we hide under a bushel. And so you, we've, we've, for the past, this is uh, number six, I think, for the past six weeks, we've been realizing and understanding that Jesus' first thoughts about discipleship here is that, let me tell you who you are, you are salt and you are light. And the illustration, of course, you're a person of influence, you're a person of impact, you are someone who is contagious with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's where we get the thought, be contagious. We are salt and we are light. We are people of influence in the world. This is our new identity. This is who we are. We are contagious Christians. Anything less is not acceptable in the eyes of God. It got really quiet right there. I said it got really quiet right there. It's really true. And so this is who he tells us we are. We are salt and what? We are 
light and we need to understand that and and uh, as we look on into the scripture today you need to understand that that first century church uh, when he left planet earth and he gave them the great commission and you know what he did I'm turning over the responsibility uh, of this world to you now I'll be with you I'll send the Holy Spirit to help you but you as the church are responsible for evangelizing the world you know, I appreciate this facility. How many of you appreciate this facility? God's, you know, the things, the stuff. This is, this is not the church. This building is not the church. We are the church. Amen. And, and it is our church. We are a part of the church. You know, I'm going to start correcting. I've, I've heard people that are members of this church say, they say, pastor, you know, your church. I said, no, hey, wait a minute. Wait. I'm going to start correcting you. It's your church. It's your church family. It's not just my church family. It's your church family. We take ownership of who we are. And we take ownership of the responsibility that we are salt and we are light. And we have the responsibility to evangelize and bring Christ. Bring the light of God. Someone told me the other day, you know what's faster than the speed of light? Anybody know the speed of light? Any smarty britches in here? The speed of... 186,000 what? He knows exactly the speed of life. He said it's so good. I'm not going to try to repeat it because I'll mess it up. You know what's faster than the speed of light, which is. Man, Trish, are you impressed? Are you impressed with Paul Paul? No, you know, he, he, he's amazed. You. Okay. I knew it was fast. You know what's faster than that? The speed of darkness. Because the Bible says when light shows up, darkness flees. I kind of like that. And that's who we are. Everyone say we are salt and we are light. We're supposed to be contagious. And then Jesus, the immediate thing he does there, right after he says we're salt and light, he warns us about being ineffective and non-contagious Christians. He said you're the salt of the earth, but... If the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. Now, what an illustration the Lord of glory gave for us. You're the salt of the earth, but if you're not salty, you're good for nothing but to be cast out on the road and trampled under feet by men. Man, the warning is there loud and clear. So today we want to embrace who we are, our new identity as Christians. And today, very simply, I'm going to give you some more con uh, characteristics of a contagious Christian. I'm just going to jump around and kind of tell you some things that you and I need to look for. There's some commonalities. There's some common characteristics. When you look in Scripture and you, you realize this person was a very contagious Christian, there's some commonalities that they all have. And I want to show you a few this morning. The first one is this. Contagious Christians are by and large unassuming. Everyone say unassuming. We have this thought about contagious Christians that they walk around with a big Bible and go, Hallelujah, I'm a contagious Christian. And that they're, you know, they're just oozing evangelistic anointing everywhere. And everywhere they go, people just go, I need Jesus in my life. And some kind of super saint. But when you look through Scripture, you'll discover that contagious Christians were by and large unassuming. Let me show you this about Jesus. The prophetic insight about Jesus in Isaiah 53 verse 2. It says this about him. He says, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in a dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. 
Nothing to attract us to him. That's the New Living Translation. In other words, Jesus was just a common man. Other than the fact that he was the Lord of glory. But there was nothing about his person that would make you think, now there is a contagious, he's just a common, he's just a carpenter. He was born in a cattle stall because there was no room for him in the, it wasn't even Christmas and y'all remembered that. That's good. He was just a common person, but he was the son of God. He just He was somewhat unassuming. In fact, if you look at his life, there's just a couple of little glimpses from Scripture about his early life until he entered full-time ministry at the age of 30. He was just, uh, there's so little glimpses into his world of who he was, but we most of the recorded uh, influence of Jesus was, was after he was baptized and really only three years of his life. But he was certainly, how many of you know Jesus was a contagious Christ? But he was unassuming. And here's the first Corinthians chapter one. This is what Paul said concerning all of us and the fact and how Jesus and how the word of the Lord, how God reaches out and chooses people to be a part of his kingdom purpose. It says in first Corinthians chapter one, if I can get there, I'll read it to you. It says that what does he do? How does he choose people? It says in verse 26 of chapter one, he says, for you see your calling brethren that there are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the what? The foolish things of the world to put to shame the the wise. And God has chosen the what? Weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Understand something about contagious Christianity. You don't have to be some shining star to make a big difference in the world. By and large, contagious Christians are unassuming. Think of the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan woman and, and not to be, she was not supposed, there was, there was a, there was a, 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 a breach between the Jews and the Samaritans. The, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. In fact, when Jesus walked in her, into her world in John chapter four, the first question she had, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. That, we're not supposed to be talking to each other. There, there, there's, there's differences here. And, and you know the story how Jesus got into her world and, and touched her life and changed her world. She dashed back to town and set, told everybody, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. And they came out and, and, and the whole city was evangelized with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm telling you, this was an unassuming woman. Who would have thunk it? Look at your neighbor and say, who would have thunk it? That God would have used this woman, an educated woman, an unsavory history in her life. You see, contagious Christians can be some of the most unassuming people around the Gadarene demoniac. I love this. Now he had a little, uh, you, you read about him in Luke chapter eight and other passages and, and the, the Lord cast the devils out of him and threw him and, and where'd he put the, where'd he put the devils? Where, you know, Jesus knows where to put the devil. They put them in the pigs. They ran off a cliff. 
And, and you know about the gathering demoniac. He was, he was chained. They tried to chain him up and he was running naked. Now he did have an interesting, he was running naked through the tombs and he was in a, in a world of hurt. Jesus cast the devil out of him and we find him clothed and in his right mind. And he wants to follow Jesus. And then Jesus said, no, you go back to your city. And the Bible says he went back and he told everybody what had happened. Who would have thunk it? That God would have used the woman at the well, the Gadarene demoniac. And then think, of course, of Peter. Peter was just a low-class fisherman. And God chose Peter, who had some arrogance issues. You know, sometimes you compensate. If you're you're a nobody, you try to make yourself into somebody. And Peter was, in in a lot of people's mind, a nobody. He flunked out of of preschool and, 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 and spiritual leadership. He was just the fisherman. And Jesus walked into his world and said, Hey, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And you know the story. Very soon Peter started getting it. He was, he had moments of genius and moments of, or he was just stupid. He would make big mistakes and he denied the Lord. But Jesus walks back into his world and we see the restoration of Peter back into ministry in John 20 and Acts chapter 1 and 2 and 3. You see God uses Peter and he preaches the first Pentecostal message and 3,000 plus people are born again. Who would have thunk it? God uses, hey, contagious Christians most of the time in Scripture are some of the most unassuming people you will ever meet. That means you and I are perfect role models to be contagious Christians. In fact, we read that scripture in 1 Corinthians. He chooses the weak things of the world. And let me tell you, you hear all kinds of excuses for people who not to not be the light and be salt. Well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm just that. I'm that. Hey, that makes you a good candidate for being a contagious Christian. Amen. Everybody love the Lord. Say amen. So catch that. He uses the most unassuming people. Uh, he loves that. He loves to take the weak things to confound the wise, the poor things to confound the rich. He loves that. He wants to use you in your unassuming world. He wants to use you. You say, well, I've made too many mistakes. He wants to use your mistakes and turn your mess into your message. Come on now. The fact that you think you've, got, you've, you've been too bad to be, to be used by God is just a lie of the enemy. Now, he wants to take your mess and turn it into a message that will change somebody's life. Because I, I, can, I can guarantee you there's people in your world who need the testimony of what God is doing in your life. Amen? Unassuming. Contagious Christians are not only just most of the time unassuming, but they have become, they've come to a place where they are unafraid. This is where I want to challenge us all. They faced their fears. And I mentioned Peter just a few moments ago. How many of you know what caused Peter to deny the Lord was fear gripped his heart? Because the Lord of glory was being whipped and beaten and about to be crucified. And how many of you know they would, they were planning on working their way from the top down? They were planning to eradicate this Christian message, this gospel message from the planet. That's what the plan was. How many of you know the Bible says that the devil, had he known what he was, uh, that, that what Jesus was going to do was rise from the dead, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. How many of you know the biggest oops on planet earth uh, are in, in the heavens was when Jesus rose from the dead? All of hell went. Are y'all with me this morning? All of hell went. Oopsie daisy. What has happened now? And Peter 
he was fearful and he denied the Lord. But he faced his fears. And he faced his frailty. And he stood up in the presence under the power. And let me just tell you something today. Somebody say, come on, pastor, help me. Tell me something today. Let me just tell you something today. That Jesus, the Lord of glory, he said, I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come upon you. And he'll he'll rattle that fear right out of you. And that's what happened to Peter. And Peter gets up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And if you're fearful today, the Holy Ghost can take good care of that. And he faced his fears and he gets up and he preaches the power of the, of, of the gospel and people are born again. And the first thing that happens is, is people trying to hush their mouth. How many of you know that's the first thing the devil tried to do when the church began to be contagious is, is threaten them that they speak no more in the name of Jesus. And they came under threat. And, and it says when they called Peter and James and John, Peter and John, and, and, and to in on the carpet, it says when they saw the boldness of Peter, And James and John, Peter and John, they saw it on them. There was boldness in their life. How many of you know God wants to give us a new boldness to stand up for him and to be able to trust him and to face our fears? Peter did it. They saw the boldness of Peter and John and they said, we recognize that these guys have been hanging around Jesus. They faced their fears. You think about Paul the Apostle in Acts 20 when he knew he was in trouble. He knew his future was not going to be good. It says he was bound in the spirit. You can read it. To go into Jerusalem. Knew that chains and and tribulation awaited him there. But he was under a mandate from God. And he faced his fear. The characteristics of contagious Christians is they've learned to face their fears. And we think of Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, Timothy, some people said he was like Timothy the timid. He was just timid. He was fearful. He gets him and he's about to pass the baton of leadership over to Timothy. Mr. Boldness, Paul the apostle, who stand up in the face of all religious people and, and just boldly proclaim the gospel. Now he's got Timothy, his, 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 his successor, who has a little, he said, Timothy, you need to understand something. God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind and when we get fearful and intimidated by the devil when it comes to being a contagious Christian we need to get a hold of this scripture and we need to face our fears and say God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind it's time to face our fears and don't just, don't just cop out and say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just, that's not my personality. I witness by my example in life and, and I, I just, I just love people and by my example, I'm going to shine the light of Jesus. You know what? I've met a lot of lost people who shine pretty good, but it didn't make me want to be lost. Hello? So we've got to face our fears and we realize contagious Christians have learned uh, they're, they're not only unassuming, but they've learned to face their fears and they are unafraid. And number three, contagious Christians are unashamed. They're not ashamed of Jesus in their life. They wear him as a badge of honor and they are not ashamed. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Listen, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
For it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God. That word power means the supernatural power that gets people to the place of being born again. You can't be ashamed. That's what Paul told Timothy right there in that same chapter in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He said, hey, therefore, uh, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of it. Speak up for the testimony of the Lord. And then he says this over in 2 Timothy. Paul makes this declaration about his own life when he realizes that he needs to really help Timothy come to a place of confidence in his walk with God and confidence in who he was. He said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. And he says down in verse uh, 10, he says, but but has now been revealed... He says, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then he goes on to say, I've suffered these things in verse 12. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. You ever been ashamed of something? You ever been ashamed of yourself? Let me tell you something. One one thing we need to be ashamed of, we need to be ashamed of the fact that we're ashamed of the gospel. That we ought to shame ourselves. Shame on you for being afraid and fearful and ashamed that you name the name of Christ. Contagious Christians have got have dealt with that. Everybody say, I'm not ashamed. Everybody say, I'm not afraid, and I'm not ashamed. Number four, contagious Christians are unbiased. They show no prejudice, they're impartial. They're unbiased. They don't, they don't have a particular person that they feel comfortable talking with. They'll talk to anybody. They're unbiased. They're, they're not, they're not, uh, there's no, uh, you know, well, I, I'm just going to talk to these kind of people. I, I, God's called me to the up and outers instead of the down and outers. Or God's called me to, you know, to this culture or that culture. They're, now, I'm not demeaning that, but understand something. When you look at the life of Christ he, and, and the church, he didn't tell the church now, y'all just go hang out in Jerusalem and win Jerusalem. He said, go to Jerusalem. That's good. Everybody said, that's good. And then he said, go to Judea. That's, that's even better. Go to Samaria. Oh, that's really better because you don't even hang around the Samaritan. In fact, just go to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's who you're called to. We are unbiased with who we reach for Christ. We are not partial. We are not choosy with who we shine the light of Jesus Christ with. In fact, I believe some of us need to break some things off our life and some prejudice and some barriers that we have against cultures and people and lands and start breaking that off of our life and begin to begin to uh, uh, deal with those issues in our life because God loves everybody. Red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in His sight. Somebody say amen. Contagious Christians are unbiased. They don't pick and choose with who they share the gospel of Jesus Christ. They let their light shine in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. In fact, what's the Great Commission say? Jesus said, go into all the world. Somebody say, all the world. That's all kinds of people. All the world and make disciples of how many nations? All nations. How many of you know contagious Christians love everybody? Amen. They're unbiased. Number five. Contagious Christians are undeniable. 
You can't miss them. They're undeniable. Now, let me show you this. Turn, if, turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 4. I mentioned this earlier, but as soon as the church was birthed, opposition came. Let me just throw this out at you. When you become contagious, you will receive opposition. When you make the choice, when you begin to say, I'm facing my fears and I'm not going to uh, uh, sit idly by while my friends and family go to hell anymore. I'm facing my fears. I'm loving people. I'm unbiased. I'm going to reach. I am salt and I am light. And you step up under the power and the influence of the Holy Ghost and God begins to empower you and you begin to become influential. You will receive opposition from the enemy. You need to understand that. But how many of you know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world? And the first thing that happened to the church, they called Peter and John. They arrested them. They brought him in. And, and it says in verse 8 of chapter 4, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Man, he starts preaching Jesus to those who arrested him. He said, you crucified him. And then it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, verse 13, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they'd been with Jesus. I'm telling you, they were letting their light shine. They began to see these guys' commitment is undeniable. And it goes on to say, and seeing the man who had been healed, there was a guy who had gotten healed while Peter was on his way to pray. Remember that? Chapter 3, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Hey, when you start getting contagious and getting supernatural, people, the devil doesn't like it. They called him in on the carpet. They saw the man healed standing with him. They could say nothing against it. There was the evidence. You see, contagious Christians are undeniable. He goes on to say, but when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, they're a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. Who? Contagious Christians. You can't miss them. Supernatural things are always happening through them. The power of the gospel is being made manifest through them. They're undeniable. How many of you want to be that kind of contagious Christian? Woo. And then finally today, contagious Christians, and I love this one. Now, this ought to, this ought to stir you up. This ought to get you going. That's what I'm here doing. I'm just trying to fan the flame. I'm just trying to stir the pot. I'm just trying to uh, motivate the saints here. And it is this, contagious Christians are unstoppable. Listen, when you become contagious, until you become contagious, hey, any little old thing will throw you out of sync. A broken nail. Oh, my goodness. I had a flat. Oh, the world's coming to an end. Gas prices are back over $2. Oh, what in the world's going to happen? Hey, any little old thing will throw you for a loop. But when you get full of the Holy Ghost, and you become contagious. You cannot be stopped. In fact, Acts chapter 4, they threatened them and said, you speak no more. In the name of Jesus. 
And they looked out of sincerity and said, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to speak or not speak, you can be the judge. But as for us, we cannot stop doing what we're doing. We're going to keep telling everybody what we have seen and what we have heard. We will not stop. Contagious Christians are unstoppable. My wife's birthday is January 8th, 1956. That day when my wife was born, a young man by the name of Jim Elliott, who was, I think, 28 years old, lost his life. On the day my wife was born, a young missionary by the name of Jim Elliott, who had great zeal for God and the things of God and reaching the Alca Indians in Ecuador, who were an unreached people. And he was a pilot and he would fly over. He and his buddies would fly over. And they had this burden to reach these unreached people. And they made a little contact. They would throw them presents and gifts from the plane. And they would come out into the open area and, and the plane would fly by. And they did that for a season. And then they, they finally landed their plane in the river. And they interacted with them briefly. And they thought, we're making headway. And then the next time, when they had the opportunity, on January 8th, 1956, they landed their plane in the river. And the Alka Indians came out and slaughtered off, I think there was five of them. A young life snuffed out. You think, what a way. How could that have ever been good? And for all the family and all the friends of Jim Elliott and his friends, it was a terrible thing. And his little wife, Elizabeth, brokenhearted. But the story began to leak. And within a few weeks, Life magazine did a full front page story on the life of Jim Elliott. And because of that influence of his seed that fell into the ground and died, the church began to expand missions efforts all over the world. It's unstoppable. If you'll get contagious, it's unstoppable. Today there's schools in his name. His wife wrote a book called Through Gates of Splendor. You may, I think they even had a little docudrama or documentary about it. His life made huge impact. In fact, the story goes that uh, the continued effort into the Alka Indians was successful. And the Indian that pierced Jim through with the head of his spear was baptized, born again and baptized. Hey, it's unstoppable. You need to understand that. We serve a God and a gospel that cannot be stopped. Are you with me today? Hey, and if you're going to clap, you don't patty cake. You give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Don't patty cake Jesus. Listen. People look at the church, oh, and the people, oh, the church, oh. 
things are bad. That oh, there's things bad. Oh, it's listen. From Acts chapter two until today, the church has invaded this world. In fact, even in Acts, before I, when when the church was moving forward, uh, I, I, you can put the next scripture up. I think it's Acts twenty. I can't remember Acts seventeen. They were frustrated. Some of the lost people were frustrated. They they were trying to run these people out of town because they were messing up their business. And they said, "These are the guys who have turned this world upside down." You remember that? They wanted them to leave, but the reality was, what were these guys? What was the church doing? They were turning the world. Right side up. And all over the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being made known. I have a friend. Did you know there's unreached people in Mexico? They're, they're, they're gaining on it, but little villages and people in the mountains, people never touched the gospel. I got friends dropping radios in their language that when they open them up, little, and, and they open the radio up, and the gospel in their language begins to be preached. It's unstoppable. We prayed for the Hatleys. I'm telling you, they're expanding missions efforts and the gospel message all over. They're unstoppable. And Jesus said this when Peter got one of his questions right. Who do people say that I am? Some say you're this, that. Who do you say that? You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You can read it in Matthew 16, I believe. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Spirit in heaven has revealed this to you. And guess what? Upon this rock of revelation, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We belong to a victorious church. Hey, and if you don't have anything to do today, go to Revelation and read the end. Because it says we win. And people from every tribe and tongue and nation shall gather around the throne and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Contagious Christians, you can't stop them. How many want to be a contagious Christian? Let's stand up together.